And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 70 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on the Ides of March, Sunday, March 15th, 2015. At two, Joe Polizzi? But yes, folks, it's also that time of year. Fire up your Meerkat app, lock in your Airbnb, and get ready. It's time for brands and agencies, startups and pundits, and all the little hip kids to make their pilgrimage and descend upon the town of Austin, Texas, to wait in line, to listen to panels, to wait in line, to eat great barbecue, to wait in line, to learn about that newest technology, and did I mention wait in line for that awesome, awesome party that used to be known as a music festival, South by Southwest. And if you don't want to know what's in and what's out of South by Southwest and mostly what's news in the world of content marketing, we're glad you're here at This Old Marketing. We're here to rock you out, set you straight, and hopefully make you laugh along the way. And the best thing of all, you don't have to wait in line. All right, let's jump right in here and get to this week in the news of content marketing. And for that, it's time for me to introduce my co-host, my friend, my colleague, and my wonderful, wonderful patriot here in the Sydney, Australia, the South by Southwest of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Welcome to Sydney. I know. it's. Uh, I think we should note, for the record, that this is the earliest time we've ever recorded this old marketing. It's Yeah, it's a 7. lovely... 7.15 in the morning. Yeah, I'm on my first cup of coffee here. So. <laughs> I'm on number three, man. you got to catch up. I have to tell you, I, I do not miss... South by Southwest at all. I Oh, I, I I haven't missed it in 10 years. I mean, like, missed it, like, by not going is what I mean. But I, I it used to, I don't know, years ago when I didn't go, years ago, as in, like, three years ago when I didn't go, I thought I was missing out on something, but I don't feel that way anymore. It, no, it well, seems- according to the article in Digiday, that's the, the, the hip thing to say is not complaining while you're there. It's complaining, you know, about and bragging about the fact that you're not there. That's what's in. Oh, we're, is so that we're, it? We're, yeah, we're more hip, actually, by, by not being there. Sweet. I always wanted to be more hip. Yeah, exactly. It just took not going to an event to be hip. Thank It's goodness. hip to be square. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, Huey Lewis song. Huey Lewis. There you go. Absolutely. For, for us, for the younger viewers. That's Huey right. Lewis in the news. We, we bring South by Southwest and Huey Lewis in the news to you folks. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and by the way, the, we're recording this on March 14th in the states. That's it's right. The, it's the Ides of March here, so we're we're That's just right. we're shaking it up well, a bit. Well, rest assured, folks, that the 15th of March actually does come. So it's not the end of the world. If you were wondering whether the 14th of March was going to end, then it's not. It, you actually do have a tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Do we uh, do we have news this early in the morning? To we discuss? do have news. We've got quite a few interesting topics, actually. Oh, um, let's do it. So our yeah, our lead story comes out of the Seattle Times, actually, and the headline is: Prominent Washington Post journalist quits to partner with Starbucks. So here is the story. Basically, Washington Post journalist, and I'm going to really botch this name, Rajiv Chandraskaran. Chandra. I think it's Chandra Chandra Rasakaran. Chandra Rasakaran. Okay. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I'm just going to call him RC for short, or Ray, there you or go. Charlie. Yep. Um, and so Charlie's leaving the storied uh, DC newspaper, and he's going to uh, basically embark on what is called a new media project that's going to tackle, quote, social issues in collaboration uh, with Starbucks. 
Um, as he says, they're not trying to do this so that they can sell more cups of coffee. What they're trying to do is play a very positive and constructive role to try and broaden the understanding across the country around issues that matter. So it's a really interesting, I guess, way to sell him on leaving the Washington Post and going to sell um, something for Starbucks. But it's a fantastic example of, I mean, is this Starbucks really moving into the Red Bull territory where they're sort of now starting to become really more of a media company than, 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 than even, you know, a coffee company? What do you think? I, what's interesting about this is, and, and they say in the article that, you know, they're not doing it to sell more cups of coffee. They're doing it because they feel this is an important issue to cover and right. they feel it's their responsibility to do, to do that. Now, now Rajiv and Howard Schultz, the, uh, the CEO of Starbucks. They have a background. They, they partnered they a on a background. book. Yeah. yeah. They, they've been together. They partner on a book. They do, they've do. they done that whole thing. And so they're taking it a next level. They're going to cover stories on veterans and other social issues that Starbucks feels is important. I, You know, of course, we talked about Marriott uh, recently getting into this. Of course, they're focusing it more on their business. This is a little bit different, more of, I would call, higher purpose content marketing. But right. yeah, we're, gonna, we're absolutely going to see this. I saw it, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, did a post about this as well. And he says, look, look, folks, I've been telling you forever, of course, we have as well, that everybody's a media company. And but instead of just talking about it, there's companies acting on it. And I think this is what we're seeing with Starbucks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the fact that they're going to be producing not what they call nonfiction TV documentaries, as well as other kinds of media, basically really focused on creating a social impact. I mean, it's just such a wonderful example of how building an audience and really a purpose-driven content strategy. I mean, you know, you and I were talking about this last night as we sat overlooking Darling Harbor, which is really this focus is not about trying to figure out content that aligns to some buying journey or is going to be conversion-based metric or whatever. It's just, here's a great idea for content that builds an audience, and we'll figure out how that makes us more successful down the road. I love that, and and I've got to, you know, we we talked about this, but I was listening to uh, Todd Wheatland's Pivot podcast when and he had Doug Kessler on, co-founder yeah. of Velocity Partners, and Doug was talking about this idea of of ripples, where you create a content marketing program, and you might have an idea, or you know, you might you might set the the objective behind, you know, more sales or customer retention, but really he calls it the ripples, the unexpected things that happen because of the content that you're creating and, and that gaining traction. And I think this is one of those things. Starbucks isn't up there saying, Oh, we're, this is going to catapult us into, you know, a new opportunity or selling more coffee. They're just saying it's important and they feel that good things will happen, but they're unsure of those good things that, it's interesting. I love to see that they're taking a risk around this. I'm sure it'll pay off, but you don't know what the outcome's going to be. That's right. That's right. I mean, and just to put this into a takeaway for marketers here, this happens all the time where it's not only the ripples of what might happen that was unexpected, but it's also how things, when you treat content and a content marketing initiative as a product or as a process rather than as a project, that has some sort of set defined goals. And if it doesn't meet those exact set defined goals, then it's a failure. 
I've watched it all. You know, I, I was I was working with this startup software company, and they started a blog that they thought, great, what we're going to do is we're going to have our CEO, CMO, and CTO, and provide sort of this visionary, you know, future through this through this blog. And each one of them is going to write on what they think is coming down the road, and sort of this futurist looking blog. And what they discovered over time was is that as the comments were coming in, and the people that were actually subscribing were existing customers that had issues with the product and that had issues with the you know what they were doing and we're sort of taking them to task by saying hey listen don't talk about the future while you got to fix the present and so they switched the editorial mission of the blog midstream and started turning it more into a what this product can do how you get over these humps how you actually solve these implementation things and how you do these things and turned these subscribers who were existing customers and users into fans and built a community out of it and so by looking at their content platform more as a platform that they could change editorial strategies when they discovered what their audience really wanted, they were actually really able to ter- turn something into a success that would have otherwise been a complete failure. I, I totally love the idea of if you are, you know, if you have a passion in your organization, so obviously Howard Schultz has a passion around this whole veterans initiative. He wrote a book around it. Uh, if you are the CEO or if you are a marketer in a company and you understand that, hey, our organization has a certain passion point around this area and you feel, hey, it's not getting covered, just cover it. Be the, right. be the media company exactly. for that area and, and there's no barriers to entry in holding anyone back. And by the way, it's not a budget thing either. I'm sure marketers are listening to this thing, oh, we don't have multi-million dollars. We can't hire somebody from the Washington Post. But it doesn't take a lot of resources to do this. The, the issue is it's a cultural thing. It's a, right. it's a, it's a culture. It's, it's, make, it's actually making the decision to do it it's, and, and putting a little bit of effort behind it that, that is the hardest thing. It's not actually – you don't need you know, millions of dollars to run the platform. So Right. Well, I also guarantee that guy's not getting a million dollars a year either. <laughs> I can guarantee yeah. you, though, from, from the sounds of it, I bet you they're putting more than a million dollars behind. Absolutely. The, yeah, that's for. I mean, if they're going to do multiple documentaries and charts and those, th- yeah, I mean, there's there's money going behind this. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of millions of dollars and 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 putting a lot of effort behind something, Nokia. Remember them, Joe? Remember Nokia, that little I company? Yes. Yeah. I'm diddly dee dee diddly dee dee. Um, that was used. To, I mean, that used to be like a Pavlovian response for people. That they diddly dee dee diddly dee. Anyway, um, Nokia taps Wired magazine for a content marketing campaign. Uh, I hate this headline already. Oh but I love man, the idea I know. Here. I just it, it was it was rants right from the start when I read, yeah. when I read the headline. Anyways, what's the story this, about? This article comes to us from Ad Age, and basically in the Nokia, the technology supplier, not the mobile phones. So this is basically not the mobile phone company, but rather the technology company. Um, I didn't even know they were two separate companies. Um, they want to remind you that it still exists. So the Finnish company, which it actually sold the phone business over to Microsoft some uh, years ago, uh, basically makes most of its money from selling equipment to big telecom giants like Verizon and Sprint and those sorts of things. They are paying Wired Magazine. So remember, we covered this on the show, I guess, a couple of weeks or a month ago. Wired Magazine starting their own content studio um, and production studio to produce content and native advertising. They're producing an editorial-style website called MakeTechHuman.com. 
and it's going to aim at basically, as they quote, starting a conversation about where technology is taking humanity. Topics are going to likely include things like security and privacy and jobs and those sorts of things. So uh, apparently it's a year-long, multi-million dollar campaign um, that's going to include print ads and events and all this stuff and really showing that Nokia is not just alive and strong, but also contributing to trying to resolve some of the world's bigger issues. Um, what say you, Joe? I mean, I, the article then goes on to sort of talk about how American Express Open Network has done this and blah, blah, blah. By the way, American Express Open Network, is, I think, is seven years old now. So it, is this really just ad age sort of not being able to distinguish between a content marketing initiative that is looked at like a product? Or do you think that actually Wired and, and uh, ad age, or excuse me, Wired and Nokia look at this like a standard marketing campaign? What do you think? Well, my thoughts lie on multiple fronts, Robert. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. All right. First, no, so a couple things. I'll make myself uh, first comfortable of all, while you yeah, exactly. lay out just, the yeah, just, just This might take the rest of the show. So, yeah. Anyway. Full frontal, I, are you going full frontal on us? Well, well here, so here's the thing. My thing with AdAge, why, why is every content marketing thing a campaign? What, right. Every time it's a campaign. Why does it have to be a campaign? Now, it might be a campaign. But it just seems like every article that we, we read is, is a campaign. The, the first thing is, when I read this, and if I'm a, a digital content agency, let's say traditional custom publisher, whatever, this is what you should be most scared of, are the wires of the world that are getting into this business and taking you know former, former advertising dollars or projects that used to go to custom publishers, they're now going to you know, p- traditional publishers that are doing these programs. So that's the, right. that's the one thing, which is interesting, right? The one thing I do like about this is the, the three, I call it the three legs of the stool model that they're going in. It's not just digital. It's also in print. It's also in-person events. And they're going to, you know, repurpose, reimagine that content throughout multiple platforms. I love that. It's not just yeah. a digital thing. Right. And I think that's the smart way to go. I don't understand the whole year thing. I'm assuming Nokia, you know, basically in the article it talks about it's a one-year campaign. So they probably signed a one-year deal. So that's why, of course, you, I, that, that really bu- bugs me. Why, does it, why do you even have to talk about that? I don't care right. if you did do, the deal with one. I don't care if you did campaign. a one-year deal with right. Wired. Are you just saying we're going to do it for one year and then we're going to stop? That's the worst right. thing you could do. Exactly. So I don't know if that's the case, but that's what the article seems to be insinuating at. Well, that's um, the, and that's the thing, right? So if that's, if that's Nokia positioning this with the press, because obviously this, you know, when you think about it, this, you know, ad age didn't just dig this up on their own. They were told this thing was going to happen. And, you know, they were probably advised by some PR firm or they were advised by the internal marketing people in Nokia or Wired, one of the two, probably both. And, you know, if this was basically Nokia and Wired saying, hey, this is a year-long campaign and we're trying to do this, blah, 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 then shame on them, right, for saying, you know, because what you've immediately told me as a potential subscriber to this thing is, oh, I don't want to get too engaged here because it's going away in a year. And if it's the latter, if it's just ad age, basically can't get out of their own nomenclature sort of, you know, classic ways that they describe things and they saw one-year deal as a campaign, well then shame on them for not understanding that it's actually could be a lot, you know, a, a lot more, you know, you wouldn't say, basically when I sign 
you know, when I sign a, a player to a sports team for a one-year deal, it's not, it's, I'm not doing a campaign. I'm actually hoping he's going to stay a lot longer, but I'm just trying them out for a year. And that, it's, that's the real difference. Well, at the end of the article, it talks about, the. of course, it brings native advertising sponsored content into it and talks about how the articles will be labeled sponsored content. Well, well okay, yeah, I get it. If, if they're leveraging part of this platform is to leverage Wired's audience and to try right, to steal course. some of that audience into their pl- – I get that, right? You have to label it. Totally understand. I know we're going to talk about that later in the show as well. But th- most of this, I'm hoping, is going to be on Nokia's platform. That they're going yeah. to create their own content brand around this, which is Make Tech Human. And you would go to Nokia's site, not Wired's site, and you would subscribe on Nokia's site. So, it, But it doesn't make that clear. That's, uh, that's concerning. If this only lives on Wired's site, man, what a missed opportunity that is. So It'll you're basically, huge. that's a seven-figure advertising program then, is what you're talking that's about. That's right. Not a content marketing program. That's right. That's right. And, and if, it, if it ends up being that, then... Good for Wired for selling them a bill of goods there, but <laughs> but bad for Nokia for not taking the opportunity to build some no, audience. I, mean, I totally think about, get the point. Yeah, I totally yeah. hate that. So, so you're Wired Brand Lab, and you're going in and say, hey, look, we're going to get this front of our audience. We're going to put some sponsored pieces together. All makes sense, but we're going to drive them to this site to help you build your asset. That's, That's the right. way you do it. That's right. not, I don't, it doesn't sound like they're doing that. They're, they're yeah, probably, be interesting. You know what they could be doing? They could, actually they so they're so bad recommendation, but really good on on Wired standpoint because they could be the Make Tech Human brand. It could ultimately be owned by Wired, and oh, they just say, okay, so next year let's right. say Nokia next year somebody else, it. right? Exactly. I'm gonna go out to another company. So it's great exactly. they're building an asset. So Nokia is paying them to build an asset, but man. That's, that's the real question is who owns the asset, right? Who owns, who owns the asset that they're actually building here? It sounds, it's, it sounds dicey, but it could be wired. Yeah. Which, well, uh, I just might, my, my stomach hurts from that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. <laughs> you went full frontal, man. That's, 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 <laughs> that's, what's ha- that's what happens when you go full not frontal. Not this early in the hurts. morning, man. Don't be doing that. Anyway, so, so people out there listening... You know, create it on your own site. That's don't, right. Don't That's pay right. somebody else to, to then take your subscribers. You build the experience. You own the experience. You have the experience. That is that is that is the key there. All right, moving on to our next story. And this one we put into the show because, well, we're in Australia. And when you're down under, you got to actually talk about some stuff that's going on down here. This actually comes to us from Mumbrella, which is actually one of my favorite Australian sites um, to come and and read occasionally. And the headline here, which also, by the way, brings in um, uh, South by Southwest. We had to bring both of those things together. Don't avoid native advertising just because it feels icky. Um, and if you can get beyond the passive aggressiveness in that headline, the the actual article is really interesting because it talks about a panel um, that South by Southwest that Justin Ellis, a writer for the Neiman Journalism Lab, uh, which I guess was looking at the future and development um, of basically journalism and, and, and all of that. And he was responding to these claims, I guess, that were made during the event that native and branded ads are like selling, quote unquote, snake oil. And as he said, he said, look, it's like arguing anything we try in media now is because we fail. We don't have any connection with our readers. The fact that you think you're selling snake oil to people when they can decide for themselves is misguided, he said. 
So what did you think, Joe? I, you know, this was, to me, it was like, this is the conversation that we've had so many times about native advertising and about how, you know, from a journalism standpoint, this seems to be journalists sort of making this grand rationale, this sort of deal with the devil that they feel like they have to make. But at the same time, they're going, hey, but look, we'll do it better. We'll we'll be okay. You know, it'll be all right. It feels like it's this hard pill we have to swallow, but we just have to do it. And instead, it feels like there's this huge opportunity to actually go out and do something interesting with it, which we just saw with Wired Magazine in this previous article. And this this feels like the sort of tale of two cities here, right? Where there's journalists out there going, oh, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. I'll feel dirty and I'll take a shower, but I'll do it. And then you've got Wired Magazine, which may be out there going, you know what? While you guys are fretting and froing over the whole thing, we're going to go out there and nail this thing. What do you think? It's interesting. They do this panel every year at South by Southwest, and I spoke on that panel. Oh, did you really? Yeah, five, six years ago. And that's where... There was an editor, I can't remember her name. I probably shouldn't say it even if I did, but she was one of the editors at TechCrunch. Right. And she called me the Antichrist. On wow. All oh, right. Yeah, because, because it was the same thing, but they weren't talking about native advertising. They were talking about content marketing. And they said snake oil was used. It's the same thing. So it's just interesting that, you know, you're changing the terms, but she pulled you out, still she have... She pulled out the Antichrist card? Oh, Yeah. Because I know you do worship the devil, and I know I know you've got the six 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 emblazoned on your house, but I didn't know that you actually had come through with that. It, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from. Man, can't pull this stuff on me. Uh, all right, it, anyway, it's seven a.m. But, but there, are, yeah, there. I, I think, yeah, we're gonna have this. This is going to be going on for the next, you know, how many years? Talking right. about that. There, what I do like about the article, and this is very true. Every media brand has to deal with native advertising and sponsored content differently. BuzzFeed can deal with it in a much different way than the Wall Street Journal. If you are a venerable media brand and you are getting into the sponsored content space digitally, they've been doing it in print forever, but digitally yeah. is, the, is the place where everybody has their issues, then you need to tread very, very lightly and maybe to an extent not even do sponsored content. You may do what Wired does and create content brands for companies which i think is a fan- fantastic thing to do if you're yeah. if you're talking if you if you're trying to sign up nokia as an advertiser and you have the skills within your group to tell wonderful amazing stories you can you can do that just as well as you can help them by selling them an ad you can help them by helping them tell a better story that i like i think that is a good thing to do now you have to make a decision whether or not you want that content on your platform and how are you going to present that content so i I don't know. I mean, this is just the same old thing recycled to me. I, I, I don't know if I have any more take than that. I'm still, you still threw me off by the. the <laughs> You're still dealing with the Antichrist thing. Yeah, well, you know, to me, like, I mean, they, they actually talk about in the article, right, where, where they say, you know, there's a lot that still has to be figured out. Publishers say it's going to be clearly labeled. And then they go, but cigarettes are also clearly labeled. And it's like, okay, really? I mean, this oh, is Yeah, I can't the, believe they took it there. I mean, well, they, I mean, they took it to Antichrist with you. I mean, so, I mean, That's true. The, 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 this is what I'm getting at when I was sort of teeing up the introduction here. It seems like there's sort of this, you know, there's this, there's this two-headed sort of monster out there. One side seems to be going, oh, it's the end of the world, but we have to do it um, or we'll die. 
And then the other theme seemed to be, which I think is the more, certainly the more appropriate, which is this is a big opportunity and we'll let the public, which are, you know, we'll let the market basically decide whether or not this is a good idea for us to do. We'll let them figure it out, right? I, I don't understand this whole thing where we don't, you know, we'll, we'll count on the American public's intelligence to be able to handle really hard, un, you know, complex news stories, but we won't trust them enough to be able to handle sniffing out when we're selling snake oil because those that are you know, selling so, snake oil will get sold out. The, well, here's the thing. If as long as you're transparent and people know your intentions, you're just fine. It's going to be I mean, you know, we, you know, of course you just finished your fantastic book experiences. I've just, you know, put mine to bed. It's going to the publisher Content Inc and every one of those case studies I looked at the ones that sold sponsored content or native advertising programs, none of them had a problem with it because they were all transparent. They all said, right. "Yeah, we're we're the, this company is helping helping us monetize our site," uh, and but they all said, "But you know, we like the product, and this is why we're doing it." And they clearly labeled it, and nobody has a problem with it. The problem is in the venerable media brands. Like it, I, I was listening again. To, oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Doug, Doug Kessler was talking on, on Wheatland's podcast, and he was going through and he said he was doing research on native advertising because he was on a panel at Content Marketing World last year, so he was doing some research. And then he was reading through the native advertising article on The Guardian, you know, a venerable brand, and then realized when he was done, it was this piece of sponsored content. And he said, <laughs> I think he used the word icky. He's like, it, it didn't feel right. But he right. says he because he has different expectations of the Guardian. He has a different relationship with the Guardian, where if you you know if you're looking if it's AMC Entertainment content that's focused on BuzzFeed, you don't have the same feeling toward it. It feels natural. It they come right out and say it. It's no big deal. It's good content. It's entertaining. Great, but you have different standards that you need to set. That's why every media company has to make their own decision about how they treat this. Well, that and and going back to our our, our Wired and uh, uh, and Starbucks, you know, stories. This is exactly why a you know a, a if you're a brand or you're a marketer and you're focused on creating this for your business, why doing it yourself can make much more sense than actually doing it through Wired or through a media company. You know, it's like nobody's accusing, at least not yet, anyway. Nobody's accusing. Starbucks with this move of being icky and non-transparent and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe that will come once they start to put out stuff. But at this point, the story isn't, oh my gosh, icky Starbucks trying to sell coffee. The story is, hey, this is kind of cool. Journalism guy moves over to create really cool nonprofit, non or excuse me, documentary, nonfiction uh, types of works that are going to help the public good. And so that's the story, right? So it, that it, to me, it seems like if I'm a marketer, that's the real difference. There is is that am I creating the content brand? Am I creating the media property, or am I letting the media property be created for me, where I risk being called icky because I'm not transparent enough? And and you, I think we have to realize, and everyone listening to this, we are in a moment in time where in the next I don't know how many years it's going to let's just say ten years. The majority of media companies out there, like big, big media companies, companies that are going to underwrite the more of these Starbucks products, are going to be the Starbucks, the Red Bulls, the Crafts of the world. They're yep. the ones with the budgets. They're the ones that's going to be underwriting it, and it's that's going to be truth for us. That's going to be the well, reality. Well, it's going to merge. 
it's going to merge. I mean, we're seeing it happen now even before our very eyes. Just this last week, you and I talked about this um, as we were driving in from the airport, the, the GigaOM story, right? GigaOM this week, if you guys didn't know, GigaOM went up, you know, belly up. And it was a great, respected, one of the most respected tech, you know, publications out there, um, started by Om Malik. And he had subsequently left the company a few years ago. But here's a great, respected, you know, basically media company that couldn't find its business model and basically fell. And companies like this are falling all of the time and brands are starting to, to sort of step in here. And this is the world that we're in, whether we like it or not. I happen to really like it, but you know, it's a, it's, it's a really interesting time to your point. Well, and then on the GigaOM aspect, you know, you and I talked about it. I, I don't know what the, I mean, obviously they overextended, spent too much money in, in maybe too many areas before they were ready. But the, the it seemed short-sighted to say, oh, this is the business model we tried. It didn't work. We're done. Seriously? There's right. nine different I mean, ways that you can make money off of content. You didn't try the other eight? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. there's lots of different ways to make money. And I, I just, think there's something. Yeah, I think there's something else that happened behind the scenes there that basically convinced them that you know what we're not going to try and reboot this thing. We need to slam the door shut. <laughs> I think I think there's a there's a bigger story there than is being told. There's got to be a bigger story because I read that from multiple sources and it just did not make sense to me. They have such a loyal audience. Yeah, to just exactly. say, oh, it didn't work this way. You know, the, the yeah, you know, we're sorry, not bye. The stick that we yeah. wanted to, and in, in the paid content side, so you know, we're done. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Anyway. Even the people that owed them. Anyway, we'll get off on a rant here. <laughs> yeah, we, it's our, a whole different show. Yeah, move on to our next and last story uh, of uh, of our show, which is this comes to us. It must be the Ad Week and Ad Show. Um, this comes to us from Ad Week, and the hat tip, by the way, here to uh, James Gardner, um, who is a wonderful, wonderful friend of the show and has sent us many great stories. This being one of them. Um, the headline here is why branded content is poised to take over. And the Adweek article starts by saying, basically, as more publishers launch branded content divisions, wow, weren't we just talking about that, Joe? Um, and native advertising is taking over a large part of digital marketing. Adweek caught up with Peter Minium, who is the IAB, Interactive Advertising Bureau's head of brand initiatives. Um, and basically, their purpose of their talk was to talk about this trend, which was really the topic of a panel he hosted at the IAB's annual leadership meeting in Phoenix. Um, and basically, the central question, and this is the one where we can actually chat about, Joe, was whether publishers, agencies, and brands would create the best advertising of the future. And he then goes on to talk, and this is the part that really just sort of drove me nuts, uh, although as the head of brand initiatives at IAB, I can't imagine that he basically would say anything different. He basically said that companies are going to uh, uh, fall into three different categories going forward in creating content, concept advertising, commerce advertising, and content, content advertising. So basically everything a company is going to produce is going to be advertising in some form or fashion. Huh. I wonder what he's head of again. Oh, right. The Interactive Advertising Bureau. Great. Got that. Okay. Moving on. And so he basically said these commerce ads are going to be the good old-fashioned ad packages, bottom of the funnel, basically persuasive things. The concept ads are going to be top of funnel, really talking about the concept, awareness driving, used to create desire. 
And then his content ads are basically going to be the ones that are growing like crazy, he said, um, that are going to fuel um, the idea of a concept or, or, or those kinds of things. So uh, what did you take of this whole thing? Well, I, I actually, I really want to hear your take on it because I know you have some, I want to lean back and listen for a while, but my first, my first <laughs> Going full is, frontal? I could go full frontal. <laughs> here, so here's, the, we just mentioned the thing about the content marketing campaigns thing. Here, here's another thing. What's with the branded content thing? Oh, well, I God. Mean, I mean, get wh- why, me, get me. So yeah. here's, here's my question. Is, is what Starbucks is doing, is that branded content? No. No. I mean, no, not, not yet. Not. I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen it yet, right? I mean, but, they may slap yeah, we don't Starbucks know, but all we're over. Under it, the but, assumption yeah, that there's not going to be the way it's described. Starbucks no. in the veterans oriented content is That's right. what Qualcomm's doing with their Spark program. Is it branded content? No, they're not no. talking about Qualcomm in the content itself. That's right. We're, what we're talking about is building content brands, not branded content. It's That's very, right. Very important. It's very, very different. So when you're talking about branded, I don't even know where to start because I think we've determined that branded content is not the right terminology because I think it tells people that, oh, yeah, this is I'm going to tell stories about my brand. No, it's not. That's branded content. Yes. But that's not what these companies are doing. So I just had to get that out there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, No, no. It's exactly. Yeah. What is is your take with this? I got another. Well, the first. Go ahead. Yeah. The full full frontal rant show. That should be the title of this episode, by the way. Is the full frontal rant? Um, you know, look, I, I I share your your frustration with the idea of uh, branded content, mostly because I hate that term so much. I mean, I hate it worse than even native advertising because branded content just says to me an ad. I mean, that is an ad, that is what an ad is is branded content. Um, that is the you know when we often say that you know content has been in marketing forever, but not all content is content marketing. That is exactly what you just got to with the idea that you know branded content and a content brand are two very very separate things. Um, I, I guess my my biggest challenge with him is his sort of insistence that everything here is talking about an ad, and then he talks about how. Nobody has really come to the forefront here to lead this, you know, lead this journey. And it's like, great, there may not be anybody in the IAB's membership that's leading this journey, but there are plenty of people here that are leading this journey, and it doesn't necessarily end on Madison Avenue. There are tons of companies out here. I mean, holy smokes, we have met, just here in Australia, we've met with five or six companies um, that we could rattle off right now that are creating unbelievable content brands for uh, for companies that have nothing to do with advertising and have everything to do with all the stuff that we just talked about for the last 20 minutes um, with regard to creating an asset that can be leveraged by the brand, that can build an audience, and that at some point and in some way, that brand can then monetize. And that's just such a different thing. And, it, and, and I guess what bugs me most about this is, is that this is presented as sort of some vision of the future about how it's all going to shake out and how it's all going to, you know, get down to this idea of, you know, the new upfronts and the way that media is purchased and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, that is, that is, that is ultimately going to cycle into something very, very different that has nothing to do with what it has today. It is not an evolution of advertising. It is an evolution of content for a different purpose. And that's the real difference. So here's my – thank you for that, by the way. 
<laughs> Sorry, um, I got off on a little no, bit no, of a no. rant. That was, that's, that's really good stuff. I'm in total agreement. Here's my issue. That in the one response, it says content ads are the one that's growing like crazy, native advertising being the biggest form. That's not correct. Uh, it's native not advertising it's is not the biggest form. Here's the here's the real most people don't understand because native advertising gets all the press because it's public. Native right. advertising is on a media site and people see that and it's known and it gets talked about. Most content marketing is never seen because it's highly targeted to a specific audience that we would That's never right. know about unless That's somebody right. talks about it or finds the case study. Like some our of this wonder- old our this old marketing example this week is a perfect is a perfect example of that. The. So that the one, that's the important. I think we need to realize that that we're we're blowing native advertising like it's this huge thing. Native advertising is just a very small <laughs> portion of what people are doing in content marketing. Why are you laughing at me, man? Did you just say we're blowing native advertising? Because I think sorry, okay, it's wait. early. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm not even going to pay attention to you on that one. <laughs> okay, the, all right. Here's the here's the one thing that the article <laughs> that the article misses, and I totally get. It. I mean, I love the folks at the IAB. I think they're doing a great job. But I think that when you're talking about content marketing, you have to mention building the asset, building the audience. None of that was mentioned right. here. There's That's no exactly mention. Right. Uh, it's all about leveraging somebody else's platform. No, there's no talk about building an audience, and that's where if you're talking about content marketing and you're not talking about building an audience, you're not you're not you're talking about something else. That's Maybe exactly you are right. talking about branded content then, because it's different. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're not at the rants and raves section, but that was uh, that was that was a full we'll on. Just that skip was, the, we'll just that skip the. That was a rants and raves. That was a full front. Them. That was a full frontal rant right there. All right. Well, speaking of I'm, just. Wonderful, wonderful sponsorships and new forms of evolutionary advertising, especially native advertising. Our sponsor for the second week in a row is a wonderful, 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 wonderful company. So this old marketing is, again, honored to be sponsored by our good friends at Digital Relevance. And Digital Relevance focuses on increasing your search visibility, web traffic, and conversions by executing research-driven content marketing. Uh, what I love, and, and you, you and I have talked about this guide before because we've been through it, they're offering uh, to our audience the Media Buyer's Guide to Sponsored Editorial Content. So if you haven't gotten enough of it on this show <laughs> and you want a lot more detail on how to do it, no, this is actually really good because it includes fantastic. everything you ever yes. wanted to know about sponsored content from how it got started, the controversy that Robert and I discuss on a regular basis, uh, regulation to the execution tools, and then how to put together a buying strategy around it. They've got a research study in there, and they have what well, we, you and I said is, is a good statistical analysis on determining fair market value for prices for sponsored content, which is nearly impossible to do, but at least gives you a framework to look at, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to uh, create sponsored content. I want to put it on this site. What's the best way to do it? It's this, a wonderful uh, buyer's framework. guide. Yeah, this buyer's guide will help you do that. Uh, you can download it at bitly.com slash media-buyers-guide. That's bitly.com slash media-buyers-guide. Thanks to the folks at Digital Relevance for making that happen. And by the way, we've been getting, we had a couple really informative emails this week 
uh, from some of our audience that weren't aware that we have show notes that all this information is available. It comes out every Saturday. So if you would like to download, if you don't want to listen to any of, the, of where these articles come from, or if you want to download the digital relevance thing and you didn't hear what I just said, you just go to our site and every Saturday it's there, or just click on podcast at the top uh, top of the page, and then you'll see all the show notes for all our podcasts, including this old marketing. So there you that go. Thanks to Digital Relevance again. Thank you, Digital Great Relevance. stuff. We love the content. Really good stuff. It's it's in-depth. It's it's an in-depth thing. I mean, it's like you have to get your full-on math ready because it's it's there's some there's some really good stuff in there, and it's it's a great framework to 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 get a start on this stuff from. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, if you haven't gotten enough rant and full frontal rant in this episode, it is now time for our section of the show called our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that is making us feel really good, like we're in Sydney, Australia, or really kind of annoyed, like we would be if we were at South by Southwest. Um, and so I guess I have this old marketing again this week. So, so I go thank first. Thank you, by yes. the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're going first, and I go yeah. next. I got. So I have a very, very short rave here, um, and it is uh, ironically. I just saw the URL uh, again here, and ironically, since we've been pooping all over Ad Age and Ad Week um, in this show, this comes from Ad Age, um, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful. I think a great pivot point article. Um, the title of the article is "How Brands." measure experience engagement and basically says that ROI is dead. Um, and I, I loved this for a couple of different reasons. One is, as any of you who know me, you know my sort of rants on ROI and you know return on investment is, shouldn't be a prerequisite, although it's very often treated as such. Um, but as this guy, this is, um, uh, uh, his name uh, escapes me at the moment, but I'll find a- it. Andy Frawley, right? Andy Frawley, thank you very yeah. much. Andy Frawley, he's the CEO, CEO of Epsilon. Epsilon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. An author of a book called Igniting Customer Connections. And he talks about the return on investment really came to prominence over the last, you know, uh, really 50 years. Um, but quite frankly, just in the last 10 or 15, it's, it's come up the charts here. And as mass media and certainly digital media have come to fruition, the idea of ROI and doing these things, and we talked about it on this show, the idea of, you know, how do we prove ROI on this new thing and measure it, et cetera. And he goes on to basically talk about a new kind of metric that he wants to people to focus on. And he actually cites a couple of examples, Starbucks being one of them, actually, um, where he cites a couple of examples, and, and he calls it ROE2 or ROE squared, um, which is return on experience times engagement. And I know we laugh a lot about the engagement idea and what engagement really means by this, but he goes through and he talks about how this idea that there's a specific measure of of, of individual campaigns or individual initiatives, and basically this really gets to a lot of, of, of some of the research I've been doing over the last 18 months, really for the book and for other things, where you know there's a there's a study going on with the ANA uh, called Marketing 2020 that's looking and one of the things they say is that in the coming you know years it will not be share of wallet that we measure but rather share of experience um, and looking at that rather as the ideal metric that we should be striving for and it really just speaks to everything we talked about on this show and that we talk about all the time which is rather than looking at it as this sort of incremental 
thing where we're measuring these content programs in the same way that we've measured ad campaigns. The, we're evolving out of this content and campaign model idea. We have to evolve the way we measure as well. If we're going to really measure these initiatives as products, as you know, processes, we have to actually start looking at the measurement evolution and how we actually manage to really make a determination about how much we want to invest rather as a function of value to our customers and the experience and the level of engagement that they have with us in these experiences rather than sort of a return on investment based on a number of leads or at a, you know the incremental number of you know conversions that we get and this is a real difference and i think he just does a really nice job of 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 framing this up so that it's just that's my very short rave i just it's an article that i think everybody would get a little bit out of i, I do have to throw um, some kudos at you because every time i see experiences now i think of your book but i actually had a chance to to read it on the plane and it is fantastic so i just have to i know you don't like to talk promote yourself but your book that's coming out in the next oh, that's very uh, nice. week or so it's out i got i got it i oh, literally this morning i got amazon links this morning so i'm i'm I, super happy about that i really do believe i think it's going to be one of those seminal works that people throw up and say this is this changed the game i i'm 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 just you, you should you're be so very sweet. proud it's really you're good so stuff. So every I time proud. i see experiences now i think you own that content experiences you're going to own that term oh i like that i like that idea there you go fantastic um my um i have um i don't know if this is a rant or a rave it's it's just something that i thought was really interesting to me so i i subscribe to scott monty's newsletter we've talked about it on the show scott is great just puts everything together on a weekly basis things i'm interested in and had this article called is podcasting holding back podcasting the term podcasting that is and this is from our good friend tom webster uh tom is the ceo over at edison research and uh what is interesting about this is he basically makes the case or asks the question is the term podcasting really keeping us from doing more amazing things than are we putting podcasting in a, in a box because it's not really podcasting anymore is it something different should it be a radio show should it be a netcast um then he goes into some detail of course tom has the best research on the planet when it comes to podcasting and said that basically the basic consumer 54 percent are aware of what podcasting is so he said if you change the name to something else whatever it should be online radio it could just be radio show could be something else that it would take a long time for those people to get up to speed and really figure out what it is but it was the comment at the end of course i don't know where jay bear has the time but he comments on everything <laughs> i know so at the end <laughs> at the end of this article there's jay everybody's talking about oh, i agree i disagree whatever and jay says partially because there is no unifying entity to create and drive an awareness campaign We've got a problem. We need a podcasters union. I just thought that was interesting, and it made oh, me yeah. it made me think of the idea. We don't need a union, by the way, but it made me think of the of when you know back in '07 when you and I were getting into this thing that there was no unifying term, and that unifying term thankfully became content marketing over other things like branded content. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that made a huge difference. Because then people started to cut. Because I mean, how many emails and and people that we've talked to have said, "Thankfully, I know what to call what I do now," and they never knew it. And it yeah. was and it, that probably more than anything else, getting everyone on the same page made a huge difference. 
Now, I don't know if if uh, it, it's important that podcasts get a better place at the table if we called it something different, but I just thought that that was interesting, and I think the opportunity exists for for actually some media site or some individual to, to get behind and be sort of the, and maybe there is this and I just am not aware of it yet, but to, to really focus on, okay, let's, let's really focus on advancing this practice to the next level. And maybe there's some group like what we did at CMI that could do that for podcasting. I don't know. I yeah. think there's an opportunity there. I just well, thought it was the, interesting there. Yeah. I mean, this is, the, well, this is the, you know, this is the, MPAA, right? You know, the Motion Picture, uh, you know, uh, Academy or, you know, the Academy of uh, Arts and uh, Television Arts and Sciences, which is, you know, that this, you know, put so they uh, they host the Emmys. You've got the MPAA who really um, uh, they, you know, the, the, there's the television or movie Academy. And they're basically hosting the Oscars, you know, so you've got uh, and there's one for radio, too, that's escaping me as well. But, you know, you've got these mass media platforms that sort of had governing bodies that would be out there as a unifying sort of source of marketing and basically evangelizing the idea. I think it's, it's, is there it's one, a really Is there one out there around podcasting? I don't think I so, don't right? think so. I don't I, think so. Any, if Although I know Jay, to this, well, yeah. If anyone's listening know, to this and knows, we, please send it over to us. We, yeah, I don't, I know, I don't well, know I, and I would like to know. I know Jay. Well, here's the thing, because I don't know if this is still a thing or not, but, you know, I remember back, you know, gosh, almost seven years ago when podcasting, the term was actually under some sort of litigation or uh, copyright or, or something like that. And this is why Leo Laporte changed his from a podcast network to a netcast. He, yep. he actually calls his netcasts. And it was because podcasting as a term was being, you know, uh, Adam Curry was going to change his, you know, because they were going after Adam Curry. I can't even remember all the details of this, but it was, but there was a, there was a thing about seven or eight years ago where this, you know, the idea of podcasting as a term was going to go away and what, you know, everybody was arguing about what was going to replace it. It's just interesting though, that we're calling it, I mean, yes, everybody knows it by podcast, but we're calling it something that most people, yeah, you can listen to it on an iPod, but most of the time now you listen to it on something else. You listen right. to it on your smartphone or Stitcher or SoundCloud or something else. So you're, and you don't you don't have to be on a iPod of any sort. So it's just interesting that now it's the term seems dated. It's almost like that's you know custom publishing back in two thousand one. That's what we were yeah. calling content marketing. That that's term right. got real dated, right? Because people think publishing is a little bit different. You talk to most people about custom publishing, they think book publishing. Yeah, so it's just it's just interesting, and I I think there's something here as an opportunity for somebody listening to this to to put that together. Yeah, fantastic. All right, well, the namesake of our show now, this old marketing, the example we had to pull something from Australia since we're here and we're here for the next five days, and we wanted to pull something from here, and we found a really fun, interesting example. Um, this is in Australia, and it's. There is an organization uh, here down under called the Institute of Public Accountants, um, and it's one of the three recognized professional accounting bodies in Australia and one of the older uh, of the professional bodies just in the country more generally. Um, it's 90 years old uh, this year, um, and in uh, uh, 24,000 professionals across the country, students working in the industry, really giving it the idea that it's the, you know, it's really forwarding the practice of accounting in the country itself. 
they had they launched a print magazine. They've had a print magazine for a number of years, going all the way back to before 2010. That's called the Public Accountant Magazine, and that magazine now goes out to about 20,000 subscribers of their uh, of their uh, of their group. And basically, what the interesting thing and the reason I wanted to include it was not only is it been around for the last half a, half a dozen years, but it's also now been rebooted. Um, and it is now their uh, really primary channel here as they've relaunched it in both a digital as well as print uh, publication um, here, really focusing on uh, you know both the ability to get this information online, which is freely available to anybody who wants to go actually read this and really uh, read all these articles that are written by industry experts. It's a bi-monthly magazine, by the way, and it's industry experts, and it's got things on taxes and financial services, accounting standards. It's really written for the accountants to actually understand and how to be um, better in their in their careers. And the interesting thing is, is that they've actually gone digital now, and they've really tried to make this freely available to open it up uh, for search and and all these things. And the the the, the quote that I really liked here was, which is uh, given by the executive general manager of public affairs here, where I'm uh, getting this information. Um, they said, you know, our decision to go digital was a challenging one, but they recognized it that not doing so, not actually really transitioning this property to the digital channels would leave us behind in front of all of what we're doing. And the reason I thought that was interesting because, you know, we often talk about, you know, oh, digital, 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 digital. But I still go into very, very many organizations where they have a loyalty magazine. They have some sort of print magazine. And it's one of those things where I go in there and go, oh, you've got a print magazine? And they're like, well, yeah, we've had it for 40 years. It's just sort of, you know, Bob over there in the corner, you know, and his little group produces it and we don't do much with it, but it just sits over there. It's like, really? You've been, why aren't, why isn't it digital? Oh, well, we just haven't really thought about it. I mean, we scan it, we make a PDF of it and we put it up on the website. Isn't that, it's like, no, oh my gosh. And so actually transitioning some of these channels, these older content deployed assets within the business and thinking about how to make them a digital strategy is really an interesting thing here. And I think these guys have really, really done it. Um, And they're actually now, with the launch of this, the bi-monthly magazine is now getting updated online in a digital in a much more frequent fashion. So they're actually now doing much more, you know, frequent, maybe weekly or or even monthly updates um, that will supplement what's going on in the print publication. And I think a really wonderful example of this old marketing here in Australia. Very relevant as we are here for content marketing world, and it, I think you and I are going to be spending a lot of time together. We we are yes we are over the <laughs> more next, than normal over, over than the usual. next. Well, it's not just the, it's not just this week too, my friend, because when we go immediately from here to in, uh, you know intelligent content in San Francisco, and and of course the executive forum to wrap up our lovely month of March madness. So yeah, by the way, any of our um, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, fans, can we call them fans? I don't know if we get listeners probably at this point because we don't know for sure <laughs> right. if they like us or not. Uh, but yeah, it's still time. We'd love to see it. Content Marketing Sydney. We actually were recording this from Sheraton on the Park. That's where we'll be. And then we're flying right over, right after Sydney's done, we're going to Content Marketing Singapore. And then right after that, we're going to Intelligent Content Conference in San Francisco. And then you're running the executive forum on the 20th, I think the 26th and 27th. And then I think you and I are going to get 
a drink somewhere. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's and, and collapse. And just collapse is exactly right. So although I'm looking forward to all these events, it, you know, this is it. It's interesting. Whoever oh, planned on doing these four events back to back to back to back should be shot. I wonder who did that. I wonder who, whose idea who, that was. Who did that? Who yeah. did that? Exactly. All right, <laughs> folks. That is I'm it sorry. for episode number 70. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And, you know, tweet us up. We love those story ideas, folks. Tweet us up. Hashtag this old marketing. Um, you know, or email us. We love the emails, too. Those little emails that come dripping in at thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 70, hope you'll consider subscribing at iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links, and we've basically we've said this before, we'll say it again, all of the links, all of the stuff we talk about, detailed show notes available at thisoldmarketing.com. And we do hope you'll tune in next week when we're going to hear Joe say, let me make this abundantly clear. I do the job, and then I get paid. Remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.